I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. So, here we are again. Back at it. Back at it again. At Krispy Kreme. Is that a dated reference? That's an extremely dated Vine reference. Love it. Uh, this is BDMFT. I'm the dick. I'm the I'm the beard. <laughs> I'm the beard. I know. I'm the beard. You're the I'm dick. I'm dicko. Oh, boys, girls, lady boys, and everything in between. Yeah. Or outside of that. Sure. You don't have to box yourself in. Human popsicles. Meat popsicles. <coughs> Are you classified as human? Negative. I'm a meat popsicle. It's one of the best. It's the best line in the movie, and. I, I, I just I, imagine that Bruce Willis ad-libbed that. Yeah. I, I, Remember when that guy made good movies? It's like, it's, it's, he looks unhappy to be working most of the time, even at the height of his career, but when he's good, he's got that, like, right level of sort of everyman charm, Yeah. and he does a really good job of it in Fifth Element, yeah. a movie that basically is a blend of a million good sci-fi ideas that came before it, but combined so skillfully that it still works. But we're not here to talk about The Fifth Element. No, no. We're here about other things. Maybe we should be. It's funny, it's one of those movies where I didn't know it was a flop when it came out because my family loved it, so we saw the movie like four or five times in theaters. I love that movie. Yeah, I remember seeing the stuff about, like they, they had one of those like a, teaser type 30 minute deals on TV one time where they were showing kind of behind the scenes like in advance of it and they had part of the scene with the gun with Zorg and I was as a kid obsessed with you know guns and sci-fi guns and all that shit and I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and uh Chris Tucker man what a legend yeah no Ruby Rod is like my spirit animal yeah he's basically a Jojo character in costume and in in posing and is that a JoJo's reference? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we're back at it again with <laughs> with the Bearded Dicks musical fun time, guys. Yeah. Uh, I got. Uh, I'm ready. You ready? We're gonna open. We're gonna open that disco box. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Never gets old. Yeah, the last time we were here, we were covering some albums that I've loved for a long time, and you know, the, we, we covered T and the Harem of Archimedes or T with Archimedes. You know, it was uh, it was fun because yeah. it's, it's and a, you didn't post a single B stars picture on our Instagram. It's fun. I even had them too. I completely just blew it. I had like four in my phone to post, and you know, yeah, yeah, but. Maybe I just didn't want to get that level of furry attention. Fuck you. Uh, anywho, so I I have today's more of a mix of stuff I'm listening to currently that's new, and then 
I'm going to start with a classic, though. So we try to keep, I've tried to keep a master list of everything we've covered, uh, disco box recommendations, movies, all the rest, so we try not to be too duplicative. Obviously, I listen to a lot of the same music, though, over and over, as anyone does. You find your favorites, you go back to them. And I was, a month ago, month and a half ago, I'm coming from, like, a UK uh, base, dubstep, whatever place, and that took me to straight dub techno, and then now I've just been in a, on a techno kick, and I thought, well, what, what better recommendation than the album that really helped seal my love of straight techno back in 2011, which was Regis's Gymnastics. So Gymnastics is from 1996. It was uh, Regis's first album. It's the second album on Downwards, I think. Sure. Sur uh, Surgeon's Communications came out first. And it was recorded at Mick Harris's house on, I think, mostly borrowed equipment from him with some of Carl O'Connor's equipment. And it's just eight tracks of extremely raw, very loopy, very hard techno. And these days it's now sort of the blueprint for industrial techno although not really because most industrial techno is way more like clanging banging and overproduced and i've railed on this show i think a little bit in the past about the over of many different things including this obsession with industrial techno that started about the time i got into techno have you i think so once or <laughs> twice and probably outside the podcast but Anyways, whether you want to call it the Birmingham Sound or Industrial Techno or just Techno Techno or whatever, uh, it's techno. And it's basically eight songs, five minutes apiece. They start started and they end in nearly the same place. It's so everything is They like, start started and, and they, they end ended. No, they end in, in almost like the same spot they start. Like it's this in media reus type of situation where you know, some movies will start where it's like you're already in the action and other movies build to it. Or this is like that, where it's like you feel like... It's like a lot of noise a lot of times. Like you turn it on and it's like this is clearly not the beginning of a session. Especially if it's like a live recording, 30-minute tape. You know, you might oftentimes just get started like a good place, but not the actual start. Right. So this is the same kind of thing. And um, when I was getting really into techno in 2011 i think it was i think it started at the end of 2010 and i want to say like 2011 was the year that i just started buying like crazy but it could have been the end of 11 going into 12 i'm, I'm pretty sure it was 10 going to 11 so i picked this album up i want to say it was like march at least i remember being sort of springish weather but still on the cool side and it came in the mail uh, right before I had to go to class when I was in law school and I had taken DXM the night before. So my brain was like rotted and my emotions were dead mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. my desire to live was absent. And I put this on on the way to school, just sitting in heavy traffic on 38 and thought, mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this is it. And like a lot of this really rough hewn techno of the era... They do it less these days with all the fancy mastering and all the rest, but there's a particular, the one song is called Translation, and it is 
like there is a sound element that's so high frequency it is unpleasant to listen to and uh delightful Um, unpleasant to listen to is your middle name it truly is and so uh i just remember hearing it it's this like bleeping like and not on rhythm bleeping sound and i'm just sitting in the car like just like is this the day i drive just into the intersection during a red light and (laughs) hope to die but uh alas it wasn't no i've since bought the original pressing of the album on vinyl, I'm pretty sure I got that from James Blotkin, of all people, through Discogs, which was kind of cool, Who's used to be the bassist for Connie and other things yeah. like that. And uh, and it's also gone through numerous reissues. I think the most recent one was last year, I think was, I guess, or maybe it was this, must have been this year, 25th anniversary edition, something like that. And it's interesting because Regis has this habit, which I have very mixed feelings about, of reimagining his history through his reissues so instead of just reissuing an album the way it was he gives you alternative versions of the same tracks or he removes tracks and puts new tracks in that are like also from the same time period but weren't on the original edition and typically i prefer reissues to just be essentially carbon copies of the original you know some albums benefit from a remastering or things like that uh, but most of the time, if it's a legendary album that's getting a reissue 5, 10, 20 years later because it's out of print, it's worth a lot of money, people need to hear it, it I do not understand the impetus to then change it. It's like it became a classic for the exact way that it was before, not this new version, you know? He's like the George Lucas of techno. A little bit, yeah. And, and it goes further. I mean, many techno artists have done many iterations of the same thing, and I can enjoy that approach. Godflesh is a great example of a band who did many a remix album of their own stuff, and it's like, do I need three versions of Almost Heaven? Yeah, you do. Apparently, because I own every fucking thing <laughs> Godflesh ever put out, so... But it's, it can be frustrating. And so I just for shits and giggles, I was listening to clips of the remastered stuff on, on YouTube the other day, which obviously isn't the most honest representation of how it sounds. Right. But I was like, oh, these aren't even the original versions of these songs. Like, songs that like I know beat for beat for the four and a half minutes that they pound. Like I'm like, that's not it. And they're not even bad, but it's like my brain is wanting to hear this version of Keep Planning or this version of, um, what's the fucking second one called? We Said No. And it's not the same thing. And the, the remastering is nice, but it actually takes away the blistering, rough-hewn texture. Right. So I'm going to play the first two tracks. The first one's We Said No. The second one's Keep Planning. I just switched that around a moment ago, so I apologize. But as soon as this starts, this sets the tone for the whole album. And I kind of think that the first track... It's, it's a trade-off between which of the first two is the hardest track on the album. But like, they, it softens the slightest bit in the second half. But um, yeah, dr- drugs... <laughs> Have you heard of them? <laughs> we all got them. What are you, a pussy? Who uh, needs them? Yeah. So this is We Said No.
just gives me butterflies. Like, dun 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 dun. That's the beat. It's just, just like this straight kick and this acid-tinged synth line that modulates and gets rougher as the track gets in. And the clap doesn't come in. Like, you know, as far as drops go, I mean, this is the era before bass drops and shit like that, really. Although, I guess, 96, you're talking about the beginning of proper drum and bass. But uh, it's when the clap comes in at three minutes, you're like, oh, this just got wild. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically... You, you know, the first 10 seconds give you a very clear indication of what the song sounds like, and then it's just mostly that for the next five minutes. Yeah. And as Regis went forward, uh, his songs developed increasingly bizarre atmospherics in the background that sort of add to, add to it, but... And I love that shit. Like, Penetration is a perfect album. Necklace of Bites is a wonderful compilation that's basically an album... And delivered into the hands of indifference is also very good, but none of them match this blistering quality of this album. Necklace of Bites is a really good album name. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's... Yes. Let me show... Keep planning. I feel like I should probably really show like the Black Freighter or Cold Water to kind of give more of a, a... showing a different side but fuck that i'm gonna i'm gonna play keep planning because it's real good this is our podcast we do what we want Again, it's the the big highlight of the track is that the synth gets filtered every however many bars. Like mm-hmm. it does 
it's this but then sometimes it goes and like for like you know you get two seconds of that and then it kicks back into the regular basically thing and it's it's that kind of stuff i mean i've talked about it over and over i'm not going to belabor it but i love music that's based on high repetition that has you so excited for these small modulations in the patterns and the you know to say it one last time the first Autica remix of Keenel on the on the remix 12 inch there's this one part that's probably I think the song's like 11 minutes long maybe 7 minutes into the song there's this white noise sound that comes in on like the offbeat one time blows your fucking mind it's like it's like this just tiny little sound and but that's like the magic of it you know if you're doing it right you're so invested you're listening so intently and then you know also if you play this shit like super fucking loud you just like feel like you're on speed and uh i think i bought speed very shortly after getting this album <laughs> and i remember doing it with one of uh our mutual friends and it was just like he came over we started drinking i put this on i was like listen to it for a couple minutes and I already know what I want to do and I'm just like kind of getting him in the mood and like 10, 15 minutes so I was like you want to go buy some speed and like fucking do that and then listen to this really loud he was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah I think it's a pretty yeah. good idea and uh, I remember just crushing it up like doing the old classic like trying to crush it on my center console while I'm driving and like turn and rip a line without like crashing my car kind of shit and I was like oh my god but um yeah this one's a fucking ripper it's a certified you know, oops, all bangers type of a situation. And uh, the only slight misstep is maybe the live extract at the, which is the last track, which is, is fine, but weaker than everything else. But it's even rougher than what came before it. And it's, it's good. I don't, I don't mind it. So. Oh, well, so that's Regis for you. Yeah. I'll be, hopefully, I think I'm going to be covering his album from last year on our year end wrap up. Cause I'll be covering 2021 and 2021 uh but i really have barely listened to it not for lack of quality just haven't been in that zone but i think i'm going to try to really get familiar with it between now and then because i think it would be it'll be an album that'll eventually i'll be like yeah it was one of the best of 2020 i just haven't <laughs> you know so the the next album i want to cover is a compilation that i bought i bought uh bought <laughs> I, I sort of, it was a bit of an impulsive buy based on a couple decisions. So I've been listening to a lot of Vanker. I, I picked up this reissue album with all the other more like UK based things I bought recently and was like, ah, I should just buy this because it's in stock and it's a classic. But like, do I even like Vanker that much? And then, or Vanqueer, I don't, I don't know how to say his project name, but then it's the classic. I'm like, oh, this is the record I like the best. Yeah. And it's six songs, and it's uh, at least an hour long. Like, every track's over ten minutes kind mm. of a thing. Super minimal dub techno blueprint shit. Anyway, so he's got a, a song, a version of one of those songs is on here. And, and so I don't think I said the name yet, but it's it's called Dreamy Harbor. It's a compilation on Tresser from 2017. And it's interesting because it's a mix of work basically like a almost a mixtape of tracks pulled from albums from their back catalog going back really far new work for it which is the the uh exception not the rule and then um more recent stuff from their back catalog but it's mostly previously released music or variations of 
music previously released, but it has, it's not to the level of like Michael Mayer's Emmer mix CDs where they really feel like this wistful boyfriend's making a mix CDs to fall in love and like totally fucking nailing it. But it does feel like somebody was, it's kind of like when Criterion lets people go into their big closet and they say you can pick 10 movies and talk about them. This is like that where it's like go through our back catalog and put together an album of like mostly long tracks that are less on the banger side and more on the stoned or k'd out like it, it's a it's a it's a mixtape with feeling put into it it's not just that but it's also like the vibe is like i normally associate tresser with more straight four to the floor stuff and this is definitely on the more not full experimental side but just like not pounding warehouse basement techno this right. is this is like more uh, this is easy home listing so the Vanger track pulled me in, and there's a lot of really good ones. I guess I'll, sh- I'll show two quickly, but one of the ones is Donato, Donato Dozy, or Dozy, uh, is, I guess has been hot shit for quite some time. I'd say Dozy. Yeah, but is an artist I've had minimal familiarity with, in part because most of his work is really expensive and out of print. And he's done, he's one of these guys who's famous for, there's, there's sort of been a wave of this in the last 10 years of people taking acid techno and then making it slow and like depressing and more chill, mm-hmm. which isn't the first time it's ever been done, but there's been definitely like a stylistic wave of that. And so this is less on the chill acid side. This is more like traditional acid techno. And I fucking love traditional acid techno. Like 303 is my favorite. I've said it before. And so this song's called The Night Rider, and it's just like a straight-up minimal acid techno, but like fucking K-hole-ass music. And so I, I kept listening to samples of this on Hard Wax, and I was like, oh, that's good, that's cool. Like, But I'm listening to these 10-minute songs for like, you know, 30 seconds, but this was one of those ones where it was like, that 30 seconds had me fucking thirsty for the rest <laughs> of it. So I'm going to play this first, and then I'm going to play a, a, a different interesting one. I believe that this track is one of the originals for the compilation, but either way. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm laughing at myself. That's the track I pick because much like Regis's gymnastics, it's like, do you like this sound in the first 10 seconds? This is it for eight minutes. And it's, it's not, it's not like fast, fast, like old techno BPMs. It's probably a little slower. I don't know. It's in the one thirties, I would guess, but maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, you've got your classic 303 that's modulated the whole time, and then the main movement of the track comes from the highly reverbed hi-hat or crash or whatever the hell it is. I guess it's a hi-hat. Uh, pricking, which is really nice and soft and beautiful, and then these sort of reverbed very soft clanging sounds in the background that just shift in pitch and then shift back down and that's the thing and it's just like you put this on and it's like yes this is what you drive your car this is initial d music you know like i can just picture myself on on japanese highways with the lights shooting over my moon roof and i'm just like you know going to going to do a yakuza crime or or like be a street racing man. I don't know if I agree with initial D, but I get what you're. I get what you're getting at. Yeah, I, I guess I, I mean, think initial initial D is a little bit faster. Yeah, I'm thinking more of like Wangen street racing. Uh, what's it called? Wangen midnight race, whatever. That which is the Tokyo highways versus initial D, which is drifting. Yeah, this is this is less drifting's more. You're right. High intensity Eurobeat goes. Uh, you know, intensifies. Um, this is this is more highway driving, not not toge or toge toge. Excuse me, <laughs> just call me toge. <laughs> no, you're not gay enough. But yeah, so that's that one. Tressor's been a label I've known about since I got into techno, basically, because they're one of the longest running techno labels of all time, and uh, are extremely important for the development of both Detroit techno and German techno and their friendship since it kind of all began. And yet, when I really got into, so we covered Ricardo Villalobos last time, that kind of stuff was in part uh, a rejection of the heavy techno that was popular in Germany and other things like that that right. had been popular before that. And so the people that guided me in my early journey into like sort of electronic dance music like uh, micro house and tech house and minimal techno and stuff like that they were much more of like we like compact we like prolonged we like this type of stuff we don't fuck with tresser and i remember they had a cd at their store because it was, a, it was like this group of gay guys that owned this cd store in georgetown called cd warehouse which was a part of a larger franchise but they're all like individually owned i love georgetown yeah and they had this tresser never sleep cd and i knew some of the artists and i was like i want to get this I'm like oh you shouldn't get this this is trash blah 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 and i was like i feel like i should and i didn't do it now i think i mean it's not like it was it's worth crazy money or anything now which is one of the great things about tresser most of the records are still really reasonably priced but as a result of all that kind of stuff and the guidance I got early on, I have huge, huge gaps in my techno repertoire. You know, like Regis, I go all the way back to the beginning. I've got like so many of his records. Surgeon's the same way to a lesser extent and some other artists, but mostly I, I've i bought records that have been released since I got really into techno, like straight up techno, 2010 forward. Mm -hmm. And I've missed like everything from... Uh, Terrence Dixon, Juan Atkins, um, 
Underground Resistance, Drexia, like, you know, all artists I know, I've heard their songs, whatever, but I'm just like, all these classics. Robert Hood, I don't own a Robert Hood album, for shame. And uh, I was extremely surprised by what is maybe the best track on this compilation in some ways, and also uh, one of the older ones picked for it, not super old, but much older, it's it's like, I'm like, I have never heard anything like this. And I've since gone on to listen to the album that it's from. And it's a good album, but this is definitely the highlight on it. And it, in some ways, reminds me of Perlone in the sense of it's like using a lot of, it's, it's like a quilt work of other things to make a techno track rather mm-hmm. than just hearing all like what I think of as being like synthetic techno type of sounds. So it's called The Switch. Uh, This is by Terrence Dixon. And the CD version versus the digital version versus the LP version of this all have different tracks with the digital version being the most complete. So I think both of these songs are on all versions. I have the LP one, but we're playing them for the digital one, so. these like weird it's horns and like traditional wooden percussion instrumentation this this like mash of sound samples together being uh filtered and warped and shifted and it's like partially reversed and weird right yeah yeah it's jazz yeah it's like a jazzy little bit but it's like this loop and the loop gets fucked with on top of like a, a very soft kick and like propulsive beat. And it's again, it's just 
eight minutes of like I mean, granted, this is a big part of techno, right? Like it's it's functional music, but it somehow has like that right combination of sounds and elements, and I think it's that mixture of synthetic with more traditional instrumentation that feels like oh this this kind of is like elevated you know i was just again totally surprised have no almost no exposure to terrence dixon i was like ah whatever and then i heard the sample of this i was like this is pretty cool and then you hear the you just you just put it on for eight minutes and you're like fucking a like yeah yeah i fuck with that Mm. so i'm like great now i've just had another artist with like four albums and hundreds of 12 inches to have to get into perfect so so there's this label 47 by tommy 47 uh which is a sweet and kind of fun dj name and it's one of these where like i feel like was he did he want to do just tommy but tommy's one through 46 were taken (laughs) no i think it was (laughs) supposed to be tommy 24 7 uh so it's like tommy 47 like 24 7 you know, like Seven Eleven, girls from Seven Eleven. Anyway, continue. No, yeah, twenty four hours a day. Girls from Seven Eleven. Sure. Stay up all night, and I can get a discount. Girls from Seven Eleven stay up all night, and she may not be good looking, and she may not get down, motherfucker, and she may not. What is happening? Sense. I'm trying to sing Mindless Self Indulgences Seven Eleven. <laughs> anyway, Tommy Four canceled. <laughs> Jimmy Urine's a rapist. Didn't uh, <laughs> he was banging underage girls? So I guess a statutory rapist. But anyways, okay. So how do you rape a statue? <laughs> canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, his label's got a lot of cool stuff on it. It's one of those where I'm like, I should really be picking up every twelve inch they put out, and then it's the end well anyways i don't and this was one that was like uh oh i should grab this because i'm buying a bunch of other records from hard wax move because somehow i missed it at the time that overlook did this collaboration with positive center uh which i like both of those artists i fucking love overlooked yeah, and covered fucking great yeah we've covered overlook on this podcast like so many times and it's instead of being it's kind of like some of his later stuff has been where it's more sort of techno than it is drum and bass, but this is like way more basically just like hard, oh God, industrial techno. Stop it. Yeah, and... Get out of my house. And it's cool because neither of these artists go typically as hard as they do on this together, which is a pretty normal thing when guys do collabs. A lot of times it like always goes extra hard, which often makes them lose the nuance and interesting character of what they normally do. But I was very surprised because I got it. The only thing that I I have to test it out again, when I went to listen to the actual 12-inch, it sounded very... uh, I don't know if it was a pressing thing, I guess, because the digital files I have are fine, but it was very one-sided in the mix. Like, it was all coming out of the right channel, or mostly coming out of the right channel. That shit happens with tapes all the time when they get fucked up and they're poorly dubbed or my tape heads needs to be serviced or blah, 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 blah. But this was on a 12-inch. I was like, am I fucking hearing things? But I fiddled with my wires after, and I don't know. So the the project's called Carrier. The EP is called 47017, which is just the basically the way they do their label uh, record numbers, like their, um, 
you know, like uh, catalog numbers. Uh-huh. So it's 47-0 and then whatever. So this is the 17th EP. And the whole thing's a banger. Uh, the whole thing's a banger. But the last track is is the one that gives me the fattest chub. And it's just a nice mix. It, so there's this whole... Uh, I can only keep up on so much, but sort of subgenre, if you will, of techno that's also drum and bass and it's either drum and bass artists doing techno or techno artists doing more drum and bassy stuff they call it gray area which is like about as lazy of as a genre name as you can get but it also hey, that's, they, uh, it's not black so it's kind of a gray area yeah on the other hand they've sort of turned it into a movement there was a whole sub label that came out of samurai for a while that was called gray area the artists were all anonymous and they had like i don't know six or seven eps and in some ways it's like it's all really not that necessary but you know that this is how they sell shit so so i guess this is gray area or maybe this is just industrial techno i don't fucking know anymore sounds made up to me it doesn't it uh but this is the last track from that ep and it's called foreshadow but it's very different so i was playing either spacious empty sort of ambient-ish kind of stuff i mean the the night rider and uh whatever the terrence dixon song is called big empty spacey and then obviously gymnastics ultra claustrophobic but all of them relatively simple and spartan in their elements this is clang boom bang claps hits snare. makes me want to play bloodborne with you 
Yeah, it's uh, it has more of a. I would say in general, the CP's got like a like a cyberpunky kind of a feel. It reminds me a lot of that, and would be good for that. But would also be very good for Bloodborne. Yeah, no shit on my opinion. It's fine. I will. Great. Thank you. Because that's all you do. So, anyways, it's not like the greatest thing ever in the sense of compared to some of Overlook's best work, it doesn't hit those heights, but it's really, really enjoyable. Like, just, this is classy, big, and it reminds me a lot of the um, 4625 sort of sub-label side project that all the guys from UVB76 have. It's very similar in the sense of it's it's big and there's a lot of atmospherics in it, but like still busy and these just sort of like long booming kind of tracks that have that. It's more of a techno execution, no big drops and stuff like that, but with a lot of the trickery that they employ and they're already kind of blended normal drum and bass and uh, has that big clanging dark edge. So uh, that one's super easy to get. Basically all these records are the, the one thing I will say is that it's like crazy, man. Gymnastics. I bought the original CD for $5. I think I spent less than 20 to get the original LP. And that was all 10 years ago. And well, now it's $6 and 25. No, no. Now it's like, if you could get a copy of that album for under $40, especially with shipping, like basically $40 is probably your base price, not including shipping in the U S right now. It's fucking absurd. I might be wrong. They might be a little cheaper, but I think within, uh, exchange rates and shipping and all the rest, you're probably paying 40 bucks for it. And the LP is awesome, but like, I love having that album on CD. It's like the perfect CD. So, uh, dreamy harbors in print, but extremely expensive with shipping. It's a triple LP set. Uh, but this this little twelve inch you get this guy pretty much anywhere and it's a good one yeah so yeah uh, techno and drum bass oriented little uh, disco box for you who the fuck's all that coming yeah big big shocker but don't worry we'll get into some awful new unpleasant genre again probably yeah at some point close this fucker let's close it <laughs> so um. There's, there's like a lot of, you know, we haven't recorded a lot. Sure. So there are quite a few things that I have gotten experience over the last year. Oh, you're going to talk about your My Little Pony butt plug. No. Oh. No, no. I am going to talk about a video game. Big surprise. I do want to preface this with, um, I did beat the first leg of near automata and i'm kind of already done i beat that like first storyline and i was like nah all right i'm done which is probably not what if we actually have any video game fans out there who like that game want to hear like you know the music in that game was really good gameplay was fun but i felt after you know maybe the 20 hours i put into it i wasn't raring to jump back into it you got through the first part in 20 hours? Yeah. Bloody dog. Like, you're just bad at things. Yeah, I didn't know there was fast travel. I probably dumped 30 or 40 hours into it before I got fast travel. But I was doing every fucking thing. Yeah, the game definitely did take me fucking 40 hours, I can tell you that. Yeah, I've dumped 100 hours into it, so I haven't beaten it. You're just bad at video games, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, 
So it's not near Automata? No. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a different game, because I've been considering replaying it, even though I have a backlog. Uh, and a back brace. No, I should probably get one, though. I'm like I'm slowly hunching more and more and becoming a fucking troll of a human being. But anyway, uh, Control. The game Control. Oh. Uh, this was, I want to say... The f- yeah, so it was not long after I'd gotten my PS5, because I do own a PS5, and yes, I feel superior to people who don't, um, but it was the first game that I played that fully felt like a PS5 game. Now, I had played, uh, what the hell's the name of the Alan game? Wake? No, I've never actually played Alan Wake. Okay. I do need to pick it up because they are making a second one now. But I know, you know, Remedy's got kind of a this whole shtick where they like to mix live action with um, you know, CG graphics and everything. And Alan Wake did well, and then they made another one which did very, very poorly. And then Control was one of those games that I think it won Game of the Year, or, like, a lot of outlets were talking about it, but it didn't really seem to get all that much press, weirdly enough. And so, I got my PS5, and I played Miles Morales Spider-Man, which I love, but didn't feel fully like a PS5 game. I want to say the, the game that felt the most like a PS5 game i.e. fully use, utilizes the dual sense and graphic capabilities and 3D audio if you're wearing headphones. Probably, Returnal is probably the highest, but this was the first time, this is the first game that I played where I was like, wow, this is like, I'm really playing a game on a PS5, like a next-gen console. But I bought Control a while ago, and I'd started playing it, and I was enjoying it, but it was not completely running like dog shit on my PS4. But I was playing it and I was like, this is weird. I don't know. Because like, the game's real trippy. So like you walk into the building there's these three paintings on the wall. And they weren't loading right away. And I didn't know if it was the game being trippy or not. And I just kind of put it down. I think somebody else, something else came out around that time frame anyway. So I'd put it down, and I like never went back to it. And then I got my PS5, and they were like, hey, we're releasing a PS5 version. I was like, dope, free upgrade. And they were like, psych, you have to buy the game again. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But they gave it away for free on PS Plus. Mm. So I was like, fucking score. And I I was switching between... The, the game runs surprisingly well on 30 FPS. Because uh, there's, there's quite a few games where... Like, I'm playing the PS5 version right now of, um, the, no, the Final Fantasy remake. No, mm. we're never getting a PS5 version of that game, because God hates us. But, uh, of Final Fantasy VII remake, and I, like, I wanted to check out, you know, there's no ray tracing or anything in the fucking update for it. It's just, uh, it puts out at 4K, and it ran kind of, like, noticeably less good than running it at 
performance was 60 frames. So I was like, fuck that shit. But Control, man, first of all, the design in that game, the architecture, it's got this like real, um, something with the architecture style, like brutalistic, brutal, uh, it's like brutal something architecture. Brutalism. Brutalism. And, you know, it was big in like the 80s and like, you know, those like real squared off concrete office buildings and shit and yeah big in the uk especially yeah and the soviet union yeah um the aesthetic of the game is absolutely gorgeous and playing it with ray tracing on and everything was super nice too because like there's glass everywhere because like you know the the office building the office offices of glass there's these parts where you're like there's these, like, you know, giant stone columns, but they're, like, a polished marble, and they reflect really nice. I actually, I think, played most of that game, like, with, like, higher graphic fidelity. Uh, and then I only play, like, certain high-octane parts in, um, uh, like, 60 frames per second and everything. But the just the, the stylistic choices of that game are absolutely gorgeous. The voice acting is phenomenal it's all very trippy uh, i can't remember the na uh, game director's name but he does attune it very much to like sc the scp foundation and everything because uh you play as this character who finds the federal bureau of control which i love the idea of a um government body controlling supernatural shit but they contain and uh, sweep up and study, you know, supernatural occurrences. Although I don't think they ever use that word in the game. So you'll you like you get to parts where there's like cells and stuff, and they'll have like certain items. And throughout the game, you have to find certain items to gain like different powers and stuff. And it's just that like some of the shots in that game are so well done and so trippy. And you feel like you're on drugs. And it's it's just... The game is just super good. The combat is really nice and quick-paced. It's third-person action shooter, which, you know, that is Sony's goal to make all of their games that. Uh, that's, that's what they want. That's what makes them money. Third-person action adventure. Give us that money. And, you know, it's one of the few games that I actually read all of, like, the little collectible things. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking up the guy who did Alan Wake and Max Payne because uh, I was trying to remember his name because it's like a uh, he did uh, anyways just was killing me so I'm listening yeah he's in the trailer for the new Alan Wake too oh yeah yeah he's reprising his role um but yeah I it's it's one of those games that I keep recommending to people and it seems so hard for them to pick up like I re recommended it to you a while ago I was like you need to play this you will really like this like I was saying it's it's one of the few games where the collectibles are these files and mm -hmm. I've read all of them yeah and was actually going out of my way to get collectibles not because I'm a gamer and it's habit but because like I wanted to build more on this world for instance they're like the idea of these they call them objects of power and then, I can't remember, it's not Nexus events, but, like, world something events where, like, certain objects can have so much power that they actually change the world around them. But there is this one part, which is, like, a total side mission, where there's this dude 
sitting in a chair uh, in front of a refrigerator. Now, when you enter the Federal Bureau of, of Control, uh, everyone seems to be gone, and then all of a sudden, you walk into a room, you get a gun, the director killed himself, you go through this trial, you become the director of the Federal Bureau of Control, and everyone's being infected by this force that's referred to as the hiss. So, like, you're walking through the this building, and there's, like, just the silence and the framing and the way they're plotted out. There's just the people just floating there, like, lifelessly. And it's so eerie and well done. But, like, yeah, the whole point of the game is you're trying to get rid of this hiss and figure out what happened. As you do that, you stumble upon certain objects of power. So you go up to, like, you go to, like, the containment sector. And there's this dude just in, a, like, a like a regular chair, um, like a folding chair, sitting and looking at this refrigerator. And he's like, you gotta help me! I can't, I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to blink or, or look away from the refrigerator. And apparently, like, I guess to keep it quarantine someone's got to be looking at it co constantly and the dude had been there with his eyes open for like two hours and you're like hold on i'm coming in there and you get in there and he's here ah, no. and you get in there and he's gone so you go in and you try to like cleanse this refrigerator and mind you there hasn't been anything like this in the game all of a sudden you're tr well somewhat but not really you're transported to this like this this thing it's like a, like a platform that's like made out of this like high shining obsidian and this giant tentacled monster with one giant glowing eye raises up and like boom boss battle and it's like i'm not going to tell you what happens but there's a part in the game called the cigarette maze which is some of the most hype fun shit i've ever done in a video game and i wish that section was longer but just exploring this whole building and like the mythos behind it is so well done and so well written it's referred to as the oldest house and there's just oh god it's just so steeped in lore and it's done so well but it also doesn't like fucking exposition dump and feed you everything and even the ending where like you figure out what the hiss is and everything it isn't like like hand fed to you you kind of have to like pick it apart and everything and i've very like I don't know if I can give it a 10 out of 10, but it's fucking close, man. That game is so good and so fun. And it does have Alan Wake DLC. Uh, my only gripe is, and this is just personal for me, um, the other DLC, and if you get the Ultimate Edition, it comes with all of it. So if you're on PC, you can do ray tracing and 60 frames and everything. Same with uh, PS5, Xbox, Series X, and whatever. Um, it comes with both DLCs. I haven't played the Alan Wake one, because I've been trying to find a way to play Alan Wake, and then they were like, hey, guess what? We're releasing it on PlayStation for the first time, so I eventually got to pick that up. But, yeah, like... Was that an Xbox game? Yes, it was originally an Xbox game, because Remedy at the time, I think, was only Xbox, because they did that, they did Alan Wake, and then they did... But it came out for the PC, right? Uh, I'm sure mm, that it did. Probably. But, maybe but anything that comes out for Xbox comes out for PC, because it's Microsoft. Right. And then they did that game with um, that blonde dude who played Iceman in the X-Men movies. <laughs> I don't know his name. I think he was in one of the fucking... Was he in... Was he in from Man of, Man of Medan, too? 
Maybe a different game. I don't know. But yeah, I, I never played that one. Everybody, for the most part, seemed to have hated that game, but like Alan Wake. But Control does take place in the same world as Alan Wake, and like they kind of mention it, so like there is, like a, I guess, a shared universe. Um, and as excited as I am, even though I never played the first Alan Wake for a second Alan Wake, like I just want more Control, man. Like mm. I want more of that mythos and like... I want to read more of these redacted files about, like, these objects that do, like, weird shit. Yeah. Well, I think video games being video games, you're certainly going to get a remaster down the line, and you'll probably get a sequel, because there's only... Of what, Alwick? No, of Control. It's already had a remaster. I know, but I'm, I'm like, half-joking, because, like, you know, uh, they yeah. just constantly will remaster things, and they'll also do sequels and all that, you know. I mean, yeah, most... they'll remaster them. Way to go, Rockstar, with your fucking... <laughs> it was funny, because I was like, don't I have GTA 3 and Vice City and all that stuff for the PC? So, I don't know. I know they took them down for sale. I don't know if you... If I can... If I... I know they're not downloaded on my computer, but I had bought them previously. I wonder if I can now download them still back, or, like, if they've completely... Which is the whole problem with digital ownership of shit is like if it's not on your hard drive and they decide to pull it, you're fucked. Yeah. But unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah. Um definitely play control. I convinced Jared to buy it. I don't think he's played it yet. He plays games. I you know, I don't really actually play no, games. You know, you're like, yo, let me let me borrow Bloodstained and fucking Last of Us and... I told you, I had to finish Fist of the North Star. I've actually played it. I got through two chapters this why, weekend. Why even, borrow, why even borrow a game when you haven't finished? Because <laughs> if I don't have it there, then when I eventually do beat this game, I'm not ever going to put it in. I know, but like, I so... So, you know, eventually I'm going to full, do like a full-on, almost angry review of Last of Us 2. Um, not angry because I didn't like it, but angry because of how it was received and how people talk about it and I think it deserves more that game is that game is a 10 out of 10 for me okay I love that game and if I guess it's not really a hot take anymore so. no but you know I just Control is is one of those those games that like man it's just done super well and the combat in it is like pretty intuitive there's some mechanics that I never felt they used to uh, need to use for the most part. Like, there's, like, a blocking mechanic that you eventually get that, like, I never really used, but I feel like that's in a lot of games. Yeah. Um, well, it's always about, you know, you all you have to do is watch one YouTube video where you find out somebody has exploited some, like, under-realized mechanic, and it's actually a game-breaker, and then it's like, oh, the meta just changed on this game. I guess I'll be doing that, but otherwise, yeah. You're like, I'll just do this as a normal person the way they intended me to. And then you do that, and everybody's like, everything's working fine. You want to hear something utterly uh, embarrassing? Sure. So when I was finishing up near Automata, you know, you know, like, the very last boss on the game, right? No, I didn't beat the game. Well, the f your first run-through. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can't really get up on them and attack them, right? So it's, like, all using bullets. So I played the whole game without walking on anyone because I didn't know it was a thing. Mm. So I had gotten him down to his last phase a few times without locking on, which was arduous. 
And then I was like, I gotta look this up, like, because I had already spent all my it's health like, stuff. Blah, blah blah blah. And I was no, it, it wasn't even that. I was just watching somebody play it, and I noticed the reticle went from white to red, and I was like, Do you have the laser, or do you just have the machine gun and the missiles? Uh, machine gun and laser. Okay. But I had wasted all of my health items at that point. Yeah. And you can't, you couldn't buy any more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it, it does weird stuff like that. that Fucking brutal. Annoying. Yeah, that, um, well, we should wrap up and then we can talk about that while we smoke. Yeah, but, like I was saying, uh, Control yeah. is a great game. Okay. Uh, if you like weird spooky stuff or even have, like, a passing interest in... Because, like, that idea of, like, a government-ran thing that is trying to control, like, supernatural shit... Just the X-Files. Yeah, well, I mean, like, all that, like, it gets my dick hard. The X-Files, uh, Warehouse 13, the SCP Foundation, a laundry list of others, just, like, Independence that... Independence Day, but we're all in the I know. Not the same. <laughs> I'm just fucking um, with you. But that idea of, like, cold bureaucracy taking control, and, like, office work taking control of the unimaginable just like mm, sure. mm, it's it's so good yeah it, well it gives you that it's the the you know the foil from one to the other it's yeah anti, you know dualism kind of thing. so i highly recommend the game uh you don't really need to get the ultimate edition especially like and i understand why they would like you know some companies were nice enough to release free ps5 upgrades and everything but like you know it's not unfair for a company to be like, you want a PS5 version of this? Buy the full game again, because it takes a lot of work to add in that ray tracing and to add in the haptic feedback and the fucking trigger retention and everything. Like, it, it that takes a lot of fucking work, and yeah. why not pay them for it? I know it's like a lot of people, oh, man, stupid, oh, buy this game again. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, like... you're. It's working on a different system. Yeah. And it they have to do like legit work. They don't just slap a new coat of paint on it. Yeah. Um, and this is sometimes. Yeah, I mean, th- I honestly not think, Rockstar, but um, this is one of the games where like, I mean, I as long as I have PlayStation Plus or get PlayStation Plus again, I can always play you know the the ultimate version of it. But if I couldn't, and like I had like a free trial of the ultimate version, I I would probably buy a physical copy of it. Yeah. Because it's that fucking good. Alright. And that is my best buy. Go out and play it, you fucking idiots. You cucks. Alright, well, thanks for joining us. And next time, we'll be, I guess, skipping this for a week when we do our best of the year stuff because it'll sort of be wrapped up in it. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, later, nerds. Later, nerds.